Lonnie Diane Rich. And I'm Dr. Kelly Jones. And this is Big. Strong. Yes. Welcome to Big Strong Yes, the show where we share our journey of reading three books that are inspiring us to embrace courage, creativity, and the call to adventure. Rising Strong by Dr. Brene Brown, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, and Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes. Today's reading is Year of Yes, Chapter 6, Surrendering the Mommy Wars, and Chapter 7, Yes to All Play and No Work. And next week's reading is Year of Yes, Chapter 8, Yes to My Body. Go to chipperish.com and search Big Strong Yes Schedule to find all the information about what we're reading and when. Right. Okay. So um, last week's episode, kind of a, <laughs> kind of a, kind of a big deal. Just a regular old... <laughs> normal regular week. old episode no. yes we had we had no yes we had no homework for last week so no. so how did it feel getting the week off um <laughs> it's a damn good thing that we had a week without homework because the response that we received from listeners was incredible mm-hmm. and it outshone any homework i possibly could ever invent so mm. it was like a waterfall of fierce kindness with more support and encouragement than I, I can really process. Yeah. You know, so saying thank you to everyone is, is not really enough. Um, and it's difficult for me. <laughs> like I <laughs> probably might've noticed. Um, it's a little difficult for me to let go and just be held or like let someone else drive or um, mm-hmm. to hand over the like boulders of pain or shame or burden that I'm carrying to someone else, even when they're strong and capable and loving and willing. But this week, I, <laughs> I, I didn't have a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think that episode and maybe the reaction to it was kind of a, a tipping point. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I swam out so far and like fought the current for so long that I just gave in, which mm-hmm. I have learned is not the same thing as giving up, <laughs> you know, and, and let go and just, and let others carry things um, and care for me. Mm-hmm. And so I think this week you and I were, were held in the arms of advocates. Oh yeah. And advocacy is powerful, you mm-hmm. know, and, and it may be one of the reasons that I'm drawn to writing in the first place, because storytelling is a way of witnessing and truth telling and advocating for goodness in the world. You know, and, and the Latin root for advocacy is is to summon, like to call to one's aid, you know. And mm-hmm. the idea is to use your voice to give public support to a cause or to a case. And this takes courage because you can't just write a check to a charity. Yeah. You know, you have to speak up and you have to attach your name to that thing. Yeah. And several of, of our listeners wrote blog posts and tweets and messages in response to last week's BSY episode. And I want to say thank you for using your platforms and your voices to support us and the communities and the causes that you believe in. Mm-hmm. And many of, of you have done that on our behalf, you know, this week. Um, but knowing that also means knowing that a lot of people listened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> To the episode. Yeah. Um, kind of a lot more than we were expecting. And yeah. that's a little, <laughs> like, I don't know, maybe a little harrowing, a little surreal. Yeah. Um, but I would do it again, you know, and I will stand beside you. And I don't care what the reaction is um, mm-hmm. or how many people <laughs> that 
episode finds its way too. Mm-hmm. I will stand with you proudly for that. And I will say, if we write a big, strong yes book, I sort of think the first line should be, y'all ain't going to believe this shit, but when Marty Noxon tweeted about the show, we knew for damn sure that the Trickster Universe was in charge of things. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Marty Noxon, huh? I mean... You can't make yeah. this shit up. <laughs> I know. Right? I know. It's 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 also it it got beyond my understanding at a very early phase. Mm-hmm. So I just sort of watched everything. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I've I've processed it all yet. No. Me I may never process it all. It was uh it was it was really kind of a crazy week. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I mean by being held in the arms of advocates because yeah. that's not you and I driving that ship. Right. That's leaving that up to other people to do. Um, but in the face of that courage and fierce kindness, I'm sinking more of my own, you mm-hmm. know, and I am starting to believe that my own future, yes, is connected to writing and that writing needs to have a purpose. Um, yeah. That kind of, I mean, it's got to be connected to fierce kindness somehow. It's my damn word, right? That's your thing. <laughs> that is your like rallying cry. Like mine is love what you love and yours is fierce kindness. And I love that. And I don't even know where it comes from. Like, I don't remember. You made it up, baby. I, I, I never heard it before you I, said it. I have no idea where, yeah. where it came from, but I know that it's really important to me. And mm-hmm. I wrote a blog post, you know, kind of related to some of this stuff this week, really just touching on the idea of using your platform and calling yourself a teacher and what that means. But Mm -hmm. I started thinking about this in terms of advocacy because we receive so much of it. And Mm -hmm. the last paper that I wrote as a doctoral student was for a class we had to take about being an advocate in Mm -hmm. our field. And so I actually went and pulled the paper up off my old hard drive. Oh, wow. (laughs) And (laughs) so it was really interesting. Um, And I wanted to read just a, a short just a few sentences of it here. Yeah. But I wrote, before beginning this PhD program, I identified as a feminist, a constructivist, and an enthusiastic supporter of literacies, both new and old. But I would not have considered myself to be an advocate. I thought philosophy was something to believe, not something to do. I've never been involved in political or social advocacy. I've never championed a cause. I vote, take care of my son, and try to teach him right from wrong. And I try to encourage my students and treat them all fairly. But until this program, I never understood philosophy as an activity. Oh, that's so cool. (laughs) And I I think like it's it's kind of a a role where and and I don't think we intended that when we started Big Strong. We had no idea what we were doing when we started. (laughs) Right. Not even a little. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, as a humanist. And, mm-hmm. and as a qualitative philosopher, I would argue every text ends up having some kind of philosophical stance, like whether uh-huh. you intend it sure. to or not. Sure. And, and I think that there is an undercurrent of advocacy developing in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and so somehow I want to say yes to being an advocate for courage and creativity and the call to adventure. And maybe that's what I'm doing here. By sharing the stories on Big Strong Yes. 
Yeah. You know, and I hope our listeners will keep sharing their stories and supporting each other and pursuing joy and happiness with all kinds of ferocity, you know, <laughs> because Shonda Rhimes says on page 131, we can all use a little more love, a lot more yeah. love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway. Very cool. Yeah. So what about you? What did you do with your no homework? Oh, God. <laughs> well, you know, with the no homework. The like, no homework. yes, was to take a week off. Right. Um, and I think that it's good that we did uh, because it's been a really big week. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly can't remember most of it. It's it's a big blur of panic and tears and good friends, you know, holding me up basically this week. Yeah. Um, but... I'm exhausted and I'm stressed and I'm tired, but it's different now. Mm-hmm. Like what I felt before that slamming together, you know, before that explosive integration, <laughs> you know, was different from what I feel now. Um, I was carrying this weight of like everything that I knew and now I'm not carrying that weight anymore. And it has been stressful and unbelievably hard, but I feel while I'm still exhausted and I'm still stressed and everything is still so hard. Like I feel like myself in a way that I haven't so, so long. I feel integrated. And when we talked about integration, you know, when we're doing rising strong with Brene Brown, I didn't think of it in this way. It never, it would never occur to me to think of it in this way Mm -hmm. that, that there were two parts of myself that I was keeping at arm's length from each other as much as I could with every bit of strength. And then I ran out of that strength and everything slammed together. It wasn't something that I, I reached toward and that I worked toward. It was something that I actively prevented until I ran out of the strength to prevent it. And then it happened despite me, you know? So that was something I wasn't expecting. And, and since that happened, the internal screaming has stopped the nightmares have stopped. I mean, I don't know, they could come back, but you know, I'm worn out and I'm exhausted. I'm emotionally wrecked. I'm coming down with a cold. (laughs) I'm sorry. But I don't think that I ever would have healed like fully if I hadn't spoken, you know, and it's not that I'm healed now. I mean, I would say probably nowhere close to being healed now, Mm -hmm. but I feel like I can start healing now that those two parts of me have finally made peace with each other, you know, cause they were fighting. I was fighting within myself for so long. I'm so glad. Like, so when you yeah. say that, I just had this sudden mental image flash of like yeah. you with this super powerful two part <laughs> magnet. And like, you're standing in the yeah. middle with your arms, like pushing against both sides as hard as you possibly can. Yeah. To keep them apart. Yeah. And that has to be exhausting. It was exhausting. And I mean, I'm still like, I'm still worn out. I just don't like, I don't know if I'm ever going to feel right again. Like, I just don't know. I believe that I will, but I, I don't know will. it right now because it hasn't happened yet. But, oh, yeah. you know, it's over. Yeah. It's done. I did what I needed to do. And now I think that I can move on. You know, there's so much healing to do. But now that I'm not carrying the weight. Mm-hmm. Of his secrets. Right. You know, I've notified the people that he's with. I've notified the people who need to know. I've talked about this openly, you know, where I needed to talk about it. And I feel peaceful in a way that I haven't felt in a really long time. Um, 
And I mean, it's, I'm still recovering. You guys are going to hear me this week. I am not on my game this week. Oh, you stop. You <laughs> are so, like, I'm you, so wiped. You're here talking. Like, I mean, I will say it again. You never cease to amaze me. I'm so <laughs> incredibly proud of you. And oh, like, I mean, you. I am wiped out to a point that I have yeah. never been wiped out in my life. And I'm not living this in real time like you are. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like you sent me a text today and said, I went to the grocery store and bought you that super cool candy cane tea and I'm mailing it to you. <laughs> and I'm like, how are you standing up? <laughs> like, I don't, you just amaze me. And I don't know, you know, yeah. the, just the courage with that you have shown in this is, is just exceptional. And I, I don't have the words to really express. Oh, thank you. It doesn't how amazing feel like you are. When, oh, stop. When I think about <laughs> when I think about courage, you know, like I associate that with strength, like somebody who's standing up and like doing the thing. And I don't feel brave and I don't feel strong. I feel like I have, you know, it's it's one of these things. I had a friend. God, I had a friend some years ago whose husband, she spent four years nursing him through cancer, you know, and it was so hard. And he died. And at the end of it, we were all praising her. We're like, you're so strong. You're so amazing. And she's like, it's not strength when you don't have a choice. Right. You know, when when lying down in the middle of the road and just saying I'm done is not an option, mm-hmm. you keep going, you know? And like, I understood what she was saying at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, I still think she's one of the most amazing women I've ever known. She's one of the strongest women I've ever known. Um, we'll see if you just take like, those last two sentences that you just said, and that's exactly <laughs> what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> I don't know. Like it, it doesn't feel like that. It doesn't feel like strength. I don't feel like a warrior. I feel like I am crawling through every day and I just keep crawling. And if that's strength and courage, then okay. Yes. You know, <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's just getting through it. That is exactly strength and courage. Sometimes you got to okay. crawl. Sometimes you gotta crawl. Sometimes you gotta crawl. <laughs> All right. So, what were your reflections in the past week? Oh God. <laughs> you know, I I used to give my students this thing on the syllabus. <laughs> I would give them like a a one week pass. Yeah. Because sometimes their writing assignments were like like deep, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I would be like, okay, like if this one's just too much, like you can write about Buffy. Or like, yeah. you can write about this book or something. So they would get like Aww, one pass. That's and so <laughs> Like every week now, when I start to write these reflections, I'm like, where's my damn pass? Where's my pass? <laughs> where's my pass? <laughs> because, oh, baby, I wish I could give you a pass. <laughs> well, I'm like, either I am starting to just go like too deep with this <laughs> or no. I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> You're just not used to it. That's all. Oh, so... Apparently, explosive integration is contagious. I, it apparently is, because it wasn't just you. Jesus. We had another friend who had one, too. Like, it was like, boom, 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 all three of us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it's contagious. Yeah. Oh, dear God. Like, I don't <laughs> even... Oh, oh, God. So, this one decided this would be a great time to hit me yeah. this week following the aftermath. Because it was such sure. a car. It was such a calm week, and we had nothing going on. Right, right. But this Time for reflection. This right? yeah. again, I swear to you, we are not skipping homework anymore because <laughs> <laughs> every time we do, 
the <laughs> universe is like, oh, that's adorable. Yeah. Here, try this. Aww. So yeah, exactly. Let me give you. Let me give you something. Let me give you something. If we don't choose homework. The universe chooses it right. for us. Like, let's see how you handle a complete and total explosive integration. Here you go, yeah. baby. Have fun. Oh, honey. Oh, so and and I like going through this, and I still, I feel, <laughs> I feel some guilt. Because the homework assignment that triggered a lot of this was telling you to write what denial feels like. And like, yeah, that was yeah. my bright idea. <laughs> right? So, I still feel a little bad. That just started the explosive Rube Goldberg's massively yeah. horrible machine of, yeah. 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 So I still feel a little guilty about that. Oh. Um, but I think this was the universe's payback <laughs> for that. Um, because like, I thought denial was not a problem for me right yeah like I I'm pretty freaking honest with myself like almost to a fault you know yeah um even when I really wish I wasn't like Mm -hmm. I still tend to be but I think I struggle like feeling the emotional truth of the thing because I'll try to diminish or qualify my feelings or like filter them through an intellectual end right so Mm -hmm. it's it's easier because that is easier than being overwhelmed by emotions that I can't contain or control. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. But we've had some extended exposure <laughs> on BSY, yeah. like sharing real stories and receiving such genuine care from friends yeah. in response, you know, and then kind of walking through the fire with you and mm-hmm. opening the crate and like, struggling with heartache over a situation with a friend who I love very much and Mm -hmm. like allowing myself to honor some truths without qualifications on top of the usual stress being a single mom (laughs) to a teenager and every day day, like work and taking care of my parents (laughs) and Mm -hmm. you know like doing all the things you know and navigating a breakup and like Uh I was starting to like build up a storm maybe yeah inside Mm -hmm. like an emotional there was some thunder rolling right yes Mm -hmm. but I thought I was okay (laughs) (laughs) and then Elizabeth Gilbert's partner Raya Elias lost the fight to a long-term illness and when I read that post that she had died it was like Shonda said on page 117 like I hit an emotional wall yeah. And I hit it hard. <laughs> yeah. And I started sobbing that night. Mm-hmm. And I cried all night. And I woke up sobbing the next morning. Yeah. <laughs> and after an hour, I got annoyed. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> after two hours, I got concerned. <laughs> mm-hmm. After three hours, I got scared. <laughs> and yeah. after the fourth hour of solid crying... Then I had you on the phone. <laughs> yeah. The fifth hour of solid crying, you had backup. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there were three of us, right? <laughs> and then that tipped into six and then seven and then, you know, eight and then nine yeah. hours solid, nonstop sobbing. Yeah. You know, and so like you and our friend, the yoga goddess, like yes. <laughs> literally having to coach me through breathing because I wasn't even sure I could do that anymore. Um, mm. And, you know, Shonda said on page 117, it was like it felt like time froze. Yeah. And that was what this felt like for me. I mean, my hair was literally soaked from tears 
and my whole mm-hmm. body was aching from crying. I did not know it was possible to cry that much or that hard and survive it. And I could not have told you in the moment of it exactly what I was feeling because yeah. for once <laughs> mm-hmm. my brain was well and truly turned off. Yes. Like I, I don't even, I can't even tell you like these were the thoughts that were triggering the tears. I have no idea. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. even experienced on that plane, mm-hmm. you know, and like if the universe ever grants me a superpower, I would ask for dominion over storms. Right. Like I love intense heaven rocking thunderstorms. I want to be able to call down the lightning, command the hurricanes, rise the tides, charge the tsunamis. Like, but that emotional overwhelm that took me over was like a Mm -hmm. storm. Yeah. And it was the deepest and most consuming one I have ever been caught up in. But it was inside me instead of around me. And I could not think my way through it. Like I, Mm -hmm. I couldn't analyze the emotional data set. (laughs) I couldn't write an FSD. Like I could not define any terms. Oh my God. Yeah. It was bad. (laughs) That's when it's bad. It was bad. We can't define terms. terms. You know, things are really really bad. bad. All I could do was cry and feel and Mm -hmm. try to breathe and ask for help. And not only did I have to lean on y'all, like I had to allow myself to be completely carried, like held in the arms of friends for that whole time. Mm-hmm. You know, and part of what y'all did was make me say a few things out loud and to say these things without any qualifications, mm-hmm. you know, just let the truth of what I was feeling be the truth and just let it be. Yeah. God damn it. And <laughs> like, <laughs> but in kind of in the aftermath of this, I've realized that like that storm in me was so huge and so strong mm-hmm. and so deep. And part of it was this screaming, howling pain. And part of it was fear. And a lot of it was just overwhelm, and I can't even name mm-hmm. all the feelings. But that storm, as forceful as it was, was not bigger than me because yeah. it was in me, you know, mm-hmm. which means I contained it. So like Walt Whitman says, I contain multitudes. Damn right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and that, for me, was an explosive integration because yeah. it was an emotional awakening so intense that I could only go through it as a physical experience yeah you know mm-hmm. and there's a lot of ways of knowing and my heart needed to completely override my mind for once yeah mm-hmm. so if this had happened before bsy i probably would have called it a breakdown like Brene brown calls her the spiritual awakening, <laughs> spiritual awakening. <laughs> right, right. So like i'm gonna call this an emotional awakening because sure. it sounds better than a breakdown <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not going to try to define my terms. I'm just going to call it that. <laughs> and <laughs> But this kind of like full body shaking, uncontrollable quaking, fighting for breath, overcome by tears at this level of intensity, like mm-hmm. on one side of the pendulum is like one hell of an orgasm on the pleasure mm-hmm. side and like the yeah. physical shock of a major car crash on the pain side. But I've never known anything like this on the emotional side. Sure. So those two parts of me, like the deeply intellectual and the reluctant emotional, were slammed Mm -hmm. together, you know, in an integration explosion that has left me a little dizzy and (laughs) a little raw, you know, and and tired. And I have no idea where to go from here. Um, But I know for sure there will be no more damn crates. Right. Because I am not doing this again. 
Oh, baby, you did so great. I was so proud of you. I mean, I was proud of you that you came to me. I was proud of you that you let me pull in our other friend, you know, and let us both be there to support you. Um, I was proud of you that you didn't try to explain it intellectually, you know, that you allowed yourself to have this integration, that you allowed yourself to feel what you were feeling. Because I think that honestly, you know, for the last like 19, 20 years, you have not allowed yourself to feel all that stuff. And I think that that was like two decades of everything, you know, just finally coming out. And that is, I can't even imagine how overwhelming that would have been. I, I can't even begin to comprehend it. And I think that the passing of, of Raya Elias is so sad and so heartbreaking. But I think that was a passage for you. You know, that was a, a path into your own grief and your own feelings and everything that you've kind of kept locked away in those crates all this time. And to have that all unpack at once and to deal with that all day you know it's i can't even imagine how that must have been for you and especially because this isn't the kind of thing that you are comfortable with in general you know no but so, there's no way i could have done that alone and i am so yeah. grateful for you and and for our friend that was there with me because i i couldn't yeah. have done it by myself so yeah thank you. no it was, it was really incredible um and uh, and i'm really honored that you you turned to me and you let me go through that with you. Well, thank you for being there. So, Oh, you bet. Yeah, it was super fun. So, like, <laughs> this episode of Big Strong Guest, I'm like, let's just have a regular week, y'all. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just, like, I, <laughs> next week I want to say, yeah, I tried to play piano and it was fine. Exactly. Like, I, tried, <laughs> I just want to go <laughs> So anyway, I, I got some new tea. I tried yeah, that. I tried some exactly. new tea. It was great. So what about you? How are your, I mean, my God. And not only did I do this, I did this on a week where you were so overwhelmed and, and oh, crazy honey, too. That's okay. Like, uh -huh. honestly, you know, I don't want everything to be about me all the time anyway. So, I mean, I'm sorry that you went through this, but it was, it was, I don't want to say nice because I never want to see you in pain, but I was like, I was honored that I got to to be the person you turn to for that. <laughs> As you yeah. wish, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so how were your reflections this week? God, I mean, you know, first of all, I'd like to say something to all of the people who sent their stories into the BSY mailbox this week. And some people shared them online. Some people talked about it in Discord. Um, some people said stuff on Twitter, mm -hmm. you know. Um, it was... I don't know. I don't even know how to explain the experience of receiving those stories. Last week, I said that I needed to speak. I needed to tell my story, but I felt like it was taking the weight off of me mm -hmm. and just putting it on everyone else, you know? And this week, we received a lot of stories. And with every single one I read, I mean, I wept. Yeah. You know, these stories of survival are so incredibly powerful. And some of these people had already told their stories. It had happened a long time ago, you know. Um, one or two, though, had never told anybody. Mm -hmm. that, that We were the first people they told. Wow. And I noticed that as I was reading these stories, I didn't feel weighed down by them, right. you know. I mean, I felt like very similar to how I felt when you turned to me. Like, I felt honored, you know. It's... Mm -hmm. It is an honor to carry your stories, that we were chosen to receive those stories, that you trusted us with it, that you shared something so personal, and in a lot of cases, so traumatic, and you gave it to us to carry with you, you know? It is an honor, I mean, it really is. So I wanna say thank you both for giving us that honor 
and for showing me that my story isn't a weight for others either. You know, authenticity is an invitation. That's right. And people accepted that invitation and they gave it back to us, you know, mm-hmm. and that was, um, just an incredibly empowering thing. You know, I mean, when you hear the stories of others, you feel empowered to accept that invitation, to be honest, to just not be silent anymore, you know, and that's what we're doing for each other. So I just wanted to send out like the most heartfelt thank you to everybody who shared their stories because it's been amazing. And to everybody who gave us their support online, Twitter kind of blew up with this. It was, um, it was really powerful it's hard, you know, because there's always consequences, mm-hmm. you know, a woman speaks and there are consequences and, you know, whatever. Um, I'm just going to deal with that. That's fine. But, um, but another thing that I realized this week is how much stronger I am, like in my belief in myself than literally I have ever been in my entire life, you know? Um, Damn right. <laughs> Yeah, I grew up with a narcissistic mother, you know, who would constantly change reality to suit her whim. You know, one day blue was white, the next day blue was orange. Occasionally blue would be blue, you know, but I never knew what it was going to be, you know. And because of that, I, I made the habit at a very young age to always go to third parties to confirm my reality. I mean, this is what made me such a perfect target for number two, because he could always convince me I was wrong. He wasn't me, so he had to be right, you know. Mm-hmm. But now that the character smearing has begun on me, um, huh. <laughs> he's telling people that I'm lying, you know, and which is disgusting. I'm not lying, you know, neither is his ex, neither are her daughters, neither is his brother, his sister, or my daughters, you right. know, he expects people to believe that we are all of us lying. And he, who has lied publicly over the last year and been caught publicly in that lie, mm-hmm. he's the one telling the truth. Everybody else is making it up. Yeah, and the story that you shared on BSY, you told me a year ago, and I have signed an affidavit to that effect, and I will go to, you know, would go to court and testify to it if needed. You are not lying. And anyone who says you are, well, I can't really address that, even with our explicit rating on the podcast. So we'll just (laughs) say, um, hmm. Why would I make this up? Yeah, because getting this kind of attention is so much fun. they think I'm just mad because he had an affair. Like the affair was the best thing that happened to me. You know, (laughs) the affair got him out of my house and out of my life, you know, but all of these things that he is while he's victimizing new people, I can't be quiet, you know, especially people that I gave him the platform to access, you know? No, no. So I could, but the thing is that like, you know, he wants people to believe that everyone else is lying but him. And some people are believing that. And you know what? I can't help those people. Like, no one can help those people. There's only so much we can do. I know. And the thing is, but I did. Like, I put it out there. Whether they believe it or not is not my job. That's right. I spoke. And I made sure the information was out there for people so that maybe there are fewer victims than there might have been otherwise. Maybe I did that. I don't know. But... One of the things he used to do to me all the time, you know, was tell me like, you know, something he was doing with the podcast or the business or something. And I would say, well, I don't think we should do that. And he'd say, we had this conversation and you said it was fine. Oh, my God. Right. And I think, Jesus, I don't remember that. But if he says we had the conversation and I said it was fine, I guess I said it was fine. And then I just let him do it, you know. And it wasn't until after I got the affidavit from the woman that he did this to before me stating that exact same 
method of abuse, making her think that she was losing her mind. And I suddenly realized, like, I constantly forgot all these conversations with him. But I never forgot conversations I had with anybody else. Nobody else ever came to me and said, we talked about this, Lonnie. Yeah. You know, that never happened. And I never put that together, you know. And I knew it wasn't me. But it was so easy to make me doubt myself. And he is really good at making you doubt yourself. So with someone like this, him saying I'm lying, like ordinarily I would start to question myself, you know, and he knows that he knows that I would start to question myself, but I'm not doing that anymore. I haven't questioned myself at all on this. Like it helps that I have so many reports from other people, you know, Mm -hmm. that this behavior goes back to his childhood. Um, So I know that it's not just me, you know, but I know what I experienced. I know what happened to me. I told people about it last year. I'm not making this up. I'm not imagining it. And I'm not out for vengeance, you know, and he cannot make me think that I am. But the scariest thing about my experience with him wasn't even having a six foot four, 240 pound man on top of me, ignoring my protests. Mm. The scariest thing was seeing that mask fall away from him. Like it had been slipping for months at that point. He had gotten gradually crueler and more blatant in his manipulations. But it was in that moment that the screaming part of me knew the truth. The man I thought I married was not the man that I married. My husband had been a fiction and I was watching him being murdered right in front of me. You know, and it's an experience that only people in this position who have loved someone with this particular kind of personality can possibly understand. Like the closest thing I can come to describe it is when Buffy comes back to Angel's apartment after having sex with Angel. And this is part of Buffy. So if you don't know Buffy, spoilers, sorry. Um, (laughs) And he's lost his soul and he's so cruel to her and her shock and horror and heartbreak. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what that is. Except in my case, he didn't lose his soul. He just never had one in the first place. You know, the soul had been another lie. And for months and months, I tried to convince myself I was wrong. I mean, you were with me. I tried to find a way, any way that I could be wrong. I wanted to be wrong. I worked to be wrong. And I'm not wrong. And I'm not doubting myself. I mean, not even a little. I know what the truth is. I've spent the last year coming to terms with it. And I spoke it. That's right. And I don't care if someone says I'm lying because they're wrong and I'm right and I know it. Mm -hmm. And as awful as all of this has been, that knowledge of myself, that clarity, you know, it's a gift. I mean, for me, like always finding the bright side, right? (laughs) That's my thing. The thing I can be grateful for. And I said last week that I didn't have gratitude anymore. You know, Mm -hmm. I thought I'd lost that part of myself, but here it is. You know, I think it is possible. It is really possible that no one will ever be able to make me doubt my reality again. And the relief I feel with that is overpowering and I'm grateful for it. I think clarity is worth fighting for. I think clarity is invaluable. And once you have it, you can't have it taken away from you. Yeah. And so I think that that's hard one, (laughs) (laughs) but I think it's yours now. Yeah, I think so. I hope so. I mean, of course that's, you know, when I talked about my fears, that was my big fear (laughs) that I'm going to lie to myself again, that I'm going to allow my reality to be, warped by someone again and i i don't think so i think i think maybe i won't no i think if there's like a post 
BSY museum, like it would have my little emotional crate and like your <laughs> denial thing, like on display. I think we're done with them. Right. Right. Little, little wax figures to represent yeah. all of that. <laughs> I think we're done with them. I think we're done. <laughs> all right. So, so what happened with the reading with you this week? What'd you get out of it? Um, I thought the reading was, was really kind of interesting. And I went in looking for, for themes you know? Yeah. And, um, and so I kind of got this idea of surrender, um, and integration. Yeah. Partly from the title of chapter six and and partly from my own, (laughs) yeah, whatever this is, right? emotional storm, whatever. (laughs) Um, but I think I, I got a lot more personally out of chapter seven than I did out of chapter six. Um, mm-hmm. with chapter six being so wrapped up in parenting, which is right. really funny being a single mother. You, I guess I expected this chapter to speak to me more. Um, right. but I did pull some really cool quotes out of this. Yeah. Um, so I guess we can just kind of start and maybe swap off and, and sure. go through. Um, but I, I liked on page 94 when she kind of talked about motherhood or, or becoming mm-hmm. a mom and she said, um, I'm fighting front lines holding a weapon i'm not as brave as the others not as smart or as strong or as as sure i can make it Mm -hmm. and i certainly always felt that way (laughs) yeah right um and and for me i always think of myself more as a parent than a mother right and Mm -hmm. and i guess that's because i've played both roles yeah sure Mm -hmm. and i am far more comfortable in the line of disciplinarian and director than I am like I'm not going to be the one that makes the cookies and right this is your skin neat first of all I ain't got time you know <laughs> and, and so like I'm I'm much more the parent who directs and provides yeah. you know mm-hmm. than I am the, sure. the parent that nurtures and that may sure. just be part of my personality because I'm kind of bossy um, but I, I think that that's, um, that's just sort of where I, where I fit. And uh-huh. my son is, you know, he's about to be 19. He's about to graduate from high school and he had to, he had to give a speech. He's taken speech this year. And so the topic of the speech was write a speech about someone, um, a hero in yeah. your life. Right. And mm-hmm. so, <laughs> you know, so he's telling me about this. And, of course, there's this little bitty part of me that's like, oh, I really hope he picked me. Like, pick me, pick me, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but being my child, uh-huh. he went to his teacher and he said, can I, can I do this the opposite way? Can mm-hmm. I write about an anti-hero in my life? And she mm-hmm. was like, okay, you know, go for it, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I thought he did a good job proposing an alternate topic. You know, yeah, which is, I like that. Which was good. Creative thinking. Yeah. yeah. Except my child, who has never met his father, because his father yeah. has never been part of his life, decides to take the speech and write about his father, oh, which kind of broke my heart. Oh, sure. Um, a little bit. But but he had some really valid points, uh-huh. you know, to say, like, like, the person that should have filled that role and kind of been that hero in, in that space was, was never there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's his story to tell, you know, yeah. and I, and mm-hmm. he did a great job with the speech and, you know, he made a few people in the class cry. He did a really, Aww. he did a great job with it. Yeah. Um, but someone in the class, they, they had a question and answer session, like at mm-hmm. the end of each, at the end of each speech. 
and someone asked him, they said, well, what did you do for like a male role model? Like who mm-hmm. fills that for you? And my son said, if you'd met my mom, you would know I don't need one. Oh, oh my God. And I was like, <laughs> so. Oh my God, that's making me cry. Right? I know. And I was oh. so touched and so proud oh. just of that one. I'm like, you know what? I don't need the whole speech. Right. I'll take that one, that one sentence. And I don't know that he oh. even means it completely as a compliment because, like, I am really hard on him. <laughs> I'm sure you know? he meant it as a compliment. That is the most amazing thing to say. And so, um, but it, it's, but it's kind of a rough road. And so, like, I've never yeah. felt like, like, the mommy wars are laughable to me. <laughs> I, it is so hilarious. Like, the last right. thing on my mind is some kind of mommy war. It's so far. Whether anybody's judging like, you. Yeah, like, like, you oh my God. Like, <laughs> like, everybody's <laughs> judging me. I mean, come on. Aww. You know, statistically speaking, he is supposed to be a disaster. You know, mm-hmm. like, single unwed mother with no, um, when, when the father's not involved at all. If you look at the mm. statistics, which are biased and, and designed to pretty much make single moms feel bad. Um, exactly you know everything all the decks are stacked against us um and instead you know my son is an honor student and he's you know he's on a couple of athletic teams and he's Mm -hmm. the president of the future business leaders association of his high school oh that's so cool he's involved and i mean you know he's a teenage boy and god knows he drives me crazy but he's a good kid yeah. And I, damn it, will take full credit for that. You should. <laughs> you <know? laughs> um, but but she says, you know, on page 105, she described herself as a hot mess mama. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> hell yes. This is me. Like, because right. so many things I would do differently. I, I mean, I have more regrets than I have wins with oh. him. But I don't know that it's possible to have a child young and not have that be the case. Cause I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I don't know if it's possible to have a child and not have that be the case. I don't care. Nobody is ready. Right. Nobody is ever ready. Yeah. And I sure as hell wasn't, (laughs) wasn't ready. Um, But I've really liked the, the quote on page 107. Um, Mm -hmm. Shonda said, being a mother redefines us, reinvents us, destroys us and rebuilds us. And I think sometimes that happens weekly. Yeah. You know, because like, it's just kind of a constant state. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just, yeah. And, and then sometimes I'll think, okay, I, we, we've got this going. We're doing all right. And no. So, like, <laughs> there was, and, and always trying to sort of balance raising him and, and caring for him while also kind of running on empty because I, you know, worked oh, full time yeah. and, and spent most of his childhood in grad school. Um, oh and like, there's one story, you know how you collect like your failures, right? As a mom, like your bad mom oh, card. Yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah. <laughs> there was one time he was in the fifth grade and, um, uh, he and I have the same birthday. Our birthday's in February. Mm-hmm. Um, and Valentine's day is like right after that. So it tends to be kind of a crazy week. And, um, I was also writing my, uh, qualifying exams like right before mm-hmm. my dissertation, like it was, it was just insane. Oh my God. Yeah. And I forgot to send Valentine's 
to his class oh. his fifth grade year i completely mm-hmm. forgot like completely forgot and i still feel so bad oh, <laughs> like, i still feel so bad <laughs> and i mean i have had huge parenting failures where he's concerned but yeah. that one still stands out and and every wow. once in a while like if he's feeling mm-hmm. snarky he'll be yeah. like remember that year you forgot to send valentines to my class oh my god and i'll be like what do you want oh my god <laughs> and it's just kind of this running joke of like me being a super bad mom but oh my god if that's the worst bad oh, not mom even story close. you have not even close but <laughs> but one of the other reasons that that sticks with me is because i remember thinking and I can't believe the teacher didn't help me out. Like, yeah. you, she could have called me and said, hey, you want to run up to the store real quick? Or yeah. maybe had an extra pack. Like, I was a teacher. I would have helped. And and plus, yeah. she knew me. But like... Oh, yeah. And so I kind of think, like, when when we're parenting, we should we should be a tribe and help we're each team, other out. Yeah. Like, we should always be a yeah. team. Um, And so part of that story sticks with me because I totally forgot. Um, But part of it sticks with me because, like, I kind of think somebody should have maybe helped a little, you know, but I no, they should have. But this is like, remember when Brene Brown was talking about, you know, do you think everybody's doing their best and that it's the people who are judging themselves so harshly that always judge others? Yeah. You know, so when you're judging yourself so harshly and we do. And the reason why it's a mom thing and not a parent thing is because men don't have this. Women have this. Women have the judgment. Women always feel inadequate in everything, but especially in mothering. I mean, that may not be everybody's experience, but culturally, I think we can all say we've seen this thing happen, right? So we're spending so much time judging ourselves that I think, and I hate this, but I think it's kind of true that when somebody else fucks up, there's a little bit of like, oh, okay. You know, yeah. <laughs> let me take the judgment that I usually reserve for myself and place it on that woman, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's where the judgmental mom thing kind of comes in. I think we just we all feel so inadequate to the task because it's an impossible task to be a mom. Oh, my God. You know, with everything that's expected of a mom, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's impossible. Yeah. And especially because like, you know, like Shonda Rhimes was saying, mothers have to work. You know, this isn't like the way it used to be where a man could go out and make enough money to hold up the family on his own and then the woman could stay home and take care of the kids. Like that doesn't happen. We need two working parents in most families. So you have that situation. You're working, you know, and you're taking care of kids and you're trying to do everything and you cannot. It is impossible. And, you know, a lot of us are not like Shonda. We don't have her resources. We can't get help. Right. You know, so you're left kind of doing it on your own. I mean, I worked from home. I wanted to be home with my kids, but I couldn't afford to stay at home. Mm -hmm. So I worked from home Mm -hmm. and I did some work at I would work like part time out of the house and the freelance from home. It was just always something, you know, I've never in those like 15, 16 years that I was, you know, like at home with the kids. I was never not working at least two or three jobs, Mm -hmm. you know, different things had different irons in the fire. Um, And that was exhausting. And I didn't like I, I can't even I know I know. I missed more than one Valentine's Day. Oh, oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, and and I'm certain I missed tons of other stuff. I mean, my my failures as a parent are legion. And like, um, but I I definitely align with her um, Mm -hmm. on page 110. She said, like, I'm the kind of mom I will 
I'm always going to yell, what the fuck, at a PTA meeting if you tell me the brownies need to be homemade. Like, <laughs> I am that girl. Like I, I love that you're that girl. I I'm the one that will girl. sit there and judge myself no, no, and, and no, force no, no. myself to make these homemade brownies because there, everybody expects no, it of me. There is you know? no way that is happening. Um, <laughs> uh-uh. I, am, I am the mom who is like, look, you are clothed, you are fed, you are alive, you have a roof over your head, and I have work to do, so let's go. Like, that is... <laughs> <laughs> no, and that's right, though. That's right. I let those judgments get me. I let those judgments... When people judge me, like I said, all of my, you know, validation, all of my reality comes externally. If other people are looking at me and seeing, and seeing me and, like, expecting me to do something, I expect that I should be able to do that thing. Well, see, for me, it's impossible because the thing that they expect me to do is to get married. <laughs> like, right. I can't really, like, I I was able. Right, it started with that. So right. at the beginning, it's, you were like, your judgment bounces off of me exactly. because I cannot do the thing you want me exactly. to do. Exactly. Right? Like, I sort of skipped that step and was not able to <laughs> fix it. So I was like, well, Aww. might as well forget it. But I mean, you know, my, my son even jokes, like he'll tell people mm -hmm. that I abandoned him for years and years and years to go do my PhD. Um, yeah. And like, he, he can lay it on thick. And some people are like, oh, she really left? And, and oh I'm, like, no. <laughs> I'm like, no, she came home every night after class. Oh, my God. Um, but underneath that joke, you know, there's a mm -hmm. little part of him that means it. Like he, yeah, you know, it's hard for him to reconcile the amount of time that I willingly spent away from him right. to go to class. Um, mm -hmm. And there's plenty of guilt on my part for yeah. that, too. And my very first day of the Ph.D. program our, we had like an orientation session and the professor mm -hmm. like that was walking us through how everything was going to work. The first thing he said to our group was pursuing a PhD is the most selfish thing you will ever do your entire life. Mm -hmm. And I was so mad at him for like popping my self-righteous bubble. <laughs> right. <laughs> because the story that I wanted to tell was super hardworking, dedicated, visionary, single mom, defying the odds, getting this PhD. But he was right. Like, I was... No, he's not. Oh, yes, he was. Be That's no, bullshit. Mm -mm, trust me. You worked your ass off I did. to make a better life yes, for your kid. That's true. But I could have done that without getting a PhD. Because, and I have rumbled with this for a long time, I wanted it. Mm -hmm. I wanted it. I wanted it for myself. I wanted the knowledge. I wanted the title. I wanted it and it that's not a bad thing no not at all but I did it for myself and like I own that god forbid right you know? god forbid you should do something for yourself exactly and so like I don't tell the story that I went and and went to graduate school because it made me a better mother I don't tell that story anymore I went mm -hmm. to graduate school because I am goddamn capable of doing that kind of work and I wanted it and that's what I tell yeah. my son too and you good know? for you. That's what you showed your son. And I think that's pretty amazing. Yeah. But when it comes to the... And your son was cared for. Oh, yeah. There were family. He's there fine. was family there, you know, taking he's, care of him. He was fine. He's fine. It wasn't coming home by himself every day. No, he's fine. But he also knows that he's not the center of the universe. And like... Mm -hmm. it, it's, but, I think that's good for him. <laughs> but when it comes to like the mommy wars, I yeah. am not even on the sidelines. Like I'm not even, I'm not even on the playing field. I'm, I'm in the library 
reading. Really. <laughs> like, I'm not even, you know, I'm not even around. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Good. But so the last quote that I pulled from this um, was on page 114, where she said, there is mm-hmm. victory in surrender. And mm-hmm. I just like that idea because I surrendered a long time ago to just yeah. being the kind of mom, both situationally and in terms of personality. Mm-hmm. And I, I, to quote Brene Brown, I have done my best, you know, yeah. and it's so far from perfect. And if I had a child today, dear God, universe, if you even fucking think about it, so help me. <laughs> I, <laughs> that is not even happening. But I, I know yeah. I would do things very, very differently because I know a lot now that I well, didn't sure. know, you know, then. Oh, well, because your circumstance is different. Right. Now. You know, I mean, like, there's so many different factors that go into the type of parent you are. And you're a different parent with the first kid than you are with the second kid. Because first of all, each kid is different. So they need a different parent. And you have to sit there and kind of code switch between them mm-hmm. to make sure that you're giving them the parent that they need in that moment. Yeah. But also, like, you learn right. from the first one. Yeah. But, you know. The first one is the bad pancake. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've only got one pancake, baby. So what about you? <laughs> what did you pull most from this chapter? Oh, God. Well, you know, I was thinking about, because she's talking so much about motherhood. And I think the chapter seven was less about that she used motherhood as her specific uh, her specific example, but I don't think it was about motherhood as much. But it got me thinking about being a mom. Mm-hmm. You know, on page 106, she says, being a mother is not a job. I find it offensive to motherhood to call being a mother a job. Being a mother isn't a job. It's who someone is, mm-hmm. you know? And I thought that was interesting because I'd never questioned that. You know, the motherhood is the hardest job you'll ever love, like that kind of bullshit, you know? <laughs> and uh, and I never questioned it, like, you know, but um, but the thing is like, I have always loved kids. Like I started babysitting at 12. I've loved caring for kids and keeping them safe and making them happy. Getting a kid to laugh was like my favorite thing my whole life through. If I get a kid to laugh, that's like, it makes me so happy. Um, But the thing is that like kids were exhausting to me when I was a teenager and I had loads of energy. I'd get them into bed at like seven or eight or whatever time the parents wanted. And I would pass out parents when I babysat came home and I was asleep (laughs) on the couch, arms splayed, you know, some dad or mom would come in, nudge me off their couch, take me home. I remember one time falling asleep in the car on the drive home. Like I was, and I was, I was 15. (laughs) Like I had more energy then than I've ever had any other time in my life. So I never like, I never knew that I wanted kids. I just always presumed that I wanted kids. Like I never thought about it. I never questioned it. You know, I knew I loved kids. Mm -hmm. And so I was just like, "Ah, I want kids, you know? And then when I hit 27, I got married and I was like, Hey, you know, why not? So six weeks later, boom, pregnant. (laughs) Um, And I had my daughters without ever considering the idea that it was an option to choose not to have kids. Like it just honestly never occurred to me. I never even thought about it, you know? Mm -hmm. And the thing is like, I'm not a mom, mom. I'm not one of those moms. And I think it's great. Like those moms are awesome. I think that's wonderful. But like Shonda Rhimes said, every mother is different Mm -hmm. and you don't have to be that kind of mom. you be the kind of mom that you are. And that's great. Like I hate playing Barbies shoots and ladders makes me want to hang myself. I don't do kid crafts. <laughs> me neither. I don't do glitter table. I don't make Halloween costumes. I don't get down on the floor and play pretend. I'm never, I don't do that. I'm not that mom. You know, I've never been that mom. What I did was two things. I loved them fiercely and I respected them as people like not little extensions of me, 
people. And yes, they need discipline and they need guidance, but they also need respect. And I've always felt that very strongly that children are not an extent, like an extension of you. They are their own little people. And it is your job to make sure that you keep them alive and healthy and growing, Mm -hmm. you know, and that means discipline. You know, and that means guiding them and that means making, you know, like looking over them and not letting them have whatever they want. But, you know, at the same time, you also can do that while listening to them, while acknowledging them, you know. And, uh, and I always like, I never spoke down to my kids. Like I never talked to them at, you know, quote unquote, whatever their level was. Like I talked to them on my level, you know, and I presumed that they could meet me where I was. And they, they did. They always, I mean, obviously not a two-year-old, you know, (laughs) but I mean like, but they always met me at a higher level than you would expect. And because I didn't talk down to them, they talked to me at a higher level than you would expect from a two-year-old or a three-year-old or a four-year-old. They always did, you know? Mm -hmm. And my favorite thing like my favorite part of parenting was when they started saying you know what I think and they started giving opinions I wanted opinions I taught them critical thought from jump Mm -hmm. there is nothing that fascinates me more with my daughters than seeing their minds at work that to me was the best part of parenting I pretty much hated everything else but I love that and I never sheltered them you know from the time like I mean with it being, you know, relatively appropriate, like they could watch whatever they wanted to on TV as long as when they were really young, as long as they watched it with me, right. you know, when they got a little older, as long as they talked to me about it, mm-hmm. you know, um, and because I told them they could watch anything they want, they never wanted to. They never wanted to watch anything that was age inappropriate. Mm-hmm. They never did. They knew they could watch whatever they wanted. And so they chose something that was appropriate to them and their interests. And they didn't feel like they needed to rebel. And they still do. You know, I mean, they still to this day don't watch like horror movies. They're not interested in R rated movies. It's not a big deal to them. Like they just they watch what they're interested in because they're not interested in rebelling against me because I didn't give them anything to rebel against, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, as they got older, I taught them to swear. I feel like that is very important. Yep. I think it is important to use the width and breadth of language and curses are powerful words. They generate from the limbic system. They're emotional. It has been proven, studies have proven that if you curse when you stub your toe, you have less pain, yep. like stuff like that. Like, I don't want to keep that power away from them. That's power. I taught you know, I'm not going to <laughs> Yep, there you go, you know, and also that you curse with elegance and you curse with intention, Mm -hmm. you know, and um, and now they almost never swear. I mean, every now and again, sure, they get a little salty, but they don't swear inappropriately. They've never gotten in trouble for swearing at school. Mm -hmm. They know when and when not to swear, you know, and we've had a couple of situations, you know, after the first few giddy months of cursing freedom, you know, (laughs) after that phase. They don't swear gratuitously, you know, in general. Um, They swear less than I did when I was a kid because I was raised by a mother who would not have it. A creative person doesn't swear. And I was like, fuck you, mom. You know, Um, so now that they're teenagers, I'm teaching them to drink. You know, they know what a glass of wine feels like. They know how a beer makes them feel. They know how to drink a glass of water after every drink. And I mean, I haven't allowed them to get drunk yet. Sarah's gone off to college in the fall. So I know I have to do this with her mm-hmm. at some point because I want her to know how it feels. I want her to know how alcohol affects her. I want her to understand that you never drink without a trustworthy buddy there with you, watching you for everything, making sure that you have a 
ride home, all of this kind of stuff, you know, like I'm teaching them that responsibility because my kid is not going to go to college, lose her mind and die of alcohol poisoning at some fucking frat party. That shit's not going to happen, you know? Mm -hmm. So these are all the things like I'm that mom, you know, not really the cool mom, but like the mom that knows that the world is out there and that I cannot protect them from it. I need to prepare them for it, you know? Um, but you know, I'm also a mom who married a bad man, you know, and I let him control and intimidate us all for six years, you know, um, because I didn't cook because I wasn't like, you know, bake the brownies mom, you know, I didn't play games and I didn't do all those mom things. He somehow convinced me that he was the better parent and I started to defer to him. And I was under the impression when they had problems that they were choosing to go to him, that they didn't want me, you know, Um, because whenever they had a problem, they were always in his office. You know, they were always talking to him about it. And what they've told me since the breakup is that they would come into the hallway looking for me and he would intercept them, telling them not to bother me and insisting on them telling him what they needed, you know, going to him with their problems, you know, and, I'm the mom that let that happen. I let him separate me, not just from my friends, but from my kids, you know? And I'm the mother that let him control everything while I worked in my office, like oblivious. You are you know? the mom who had that done to her. This, there's a big difference. I let it happen. You are a victim I of can't, abuse. Uh, we'll, we'll have that conversation. <laughs> this is not the day for me to, okay. to work through that. But, you know, I love my kids. They are amazing people I would like them as people even if they were not my kids and that is a rare gift not everyone gets that kids are born who and what they are and sometimes they are people who can connect with you and sometimes they're not I mean that's not a result of any kind of parenting that's a fucking Mm crapshoot you know you're lucky or you're not you know and even if they're not somebody that can connect with you you still love them and you still care for them and you still you know you just may not understand them as well you know and when my kids were born, I wanted to be such a good mom. Like I wanted to protect them and raise them to be their own people independent of me. And I lost six years of that time. Like I didn't protect them. And I don't know that I will ever not feel such horrible shame and loss about that. And if my kids weren't the people that they are, I'm not sure that I would have liked being a mother. (laughs) You know, I don't think motherhood itself as an institution is necessarily for me, you know? I think having these very specific humans under my care has been for me. And now they're growing up and becoming more real, becoming more their own people. I love them more every day. They are so cool, they're so fun, (laughs) they're so smart, they think critically. And I know that loving these two specific humans with all my heart is absolutely for me. So I lucked out because I'm not a mom mom, you know, I'm not one of those women who just loves being a mom. I love being a mom to these two specific people. (laughs) Like, that's it, you know. And I got a rare and wonderful gift with that, that the kids that happened to be given to me were people that I would connect with and love anyway, you know. And I look at that. And I think the most precious years of that, you know, these these teen years when they're growing and understanding the world, like I fucked it up. I lost that time with them and I allowed him to hurt them and to hurt me while they watched, you know, and I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to forgive myself for that. Like forget mommy wars. Like that's my own battleground. Like, I don't know that I'm, that I'm ever going to be able to get over that. I mean, I know it's what he did, 
but I let it happen. I was careless. I was reckless with not just my life, but with theirs. I thought I was in the middle of this magical fairy tale and they were going to have so much fun with this man as their stepfather. He played video games with them. He made them laugh. He told them stories and it got so dark, you know, and as it gradually became clear that we were in darkness, I denied it. I clung to the lie. Part of me was screaming and I didn't listen. And my kids have paid some of the cost of that. And I don't know, like, that is my greatest shame. It makes my sense of myself as a mother feel marred and grimy and dirty, you know? And I wanted so badly to be a good mom. And I feel like, I don't know. You are a good (laughs) mom. And you are a wonderful mom. And you love those girls. And they love you. And you have no idea how badly I want to say, is this the generous narrative that feeds your soul? But I think if I actually ask that, you're entitled to throw a wine glass at me. (laughs) (laughs) But I, I, I think reconciling any kind of abuse, anything that puts you in a role that lets you be less than what you want to be is difficult. And, and I can't just, chastise you for the language that you're using for yourself (laughs) except to say (laughs) that you are a good mom you're a wonderful mom and the things that were done were not done by you and the shame of that is not yours and the truth of that extends (laughs) I know but the truth of that extends all the way through and you just have to sit with that for a while yeah I think it's going to take me a while to uh it will but that's okay. To get any peace with that. I know. But you're you're taking this in parts. And this is a big part. And that's okay. Yeah. But the shame of that is not on you. You didn't do those things. And you are a good mom. And you love those girls. And they love you. Yeah. And they're wonderful. And they're smart. They and they're are. funny. And they're sweet. And they're fantastic. And they're and, amazing. You know. <laughs> they're really incredible kids, you know. Yeah. But anyway. Okay. <laughs> Enough of that. It's okay. It's hard. <laughs> It's really hard. Um, all right. So our next thing is, <laughs> as we move on, um, <laughs> what else do you have from this reading? So the rest that I pulled was from chapter seven. Um, and even though she was talking about it in the context of parenting, I pulled it out not in that context. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so she started talking about here of finding a different kind of yes. And this was the yes to playing. And, and kind of that idea of want to yeah. play, right? Want to yeah. play? Mm-hmm. And the answer to that always being yes. Yeah. And she talked about finding your happy place and mm-hmm. your joy. And so there were three quotes here. Um, one that I loved, one that yeah. terrifies me, and one that <laughs> has me completely and totally flummoxed. And so <laughs> I'm going to, like, maybe you can help me with these. <laughs> Okay. okay. All right. So the quote that I loved is on page 119. Mm-hmm. She said, there's a hot pearl of joy in my chest that is warming me in a way I'd forgotten was possible. That little fire inside of me has been reignited like magic. Mm-hmm. Let's not get carried away. It's just love. That's all it is. <laughs> and I love <laughs> how like Shonda Rhimes gets to the edge of magic and then she's like, nah, nah. <laughs> it's just love and meanwhile i'm over there going hell yes is magic <laughs> yes it is <laughs> i want to say yes to all of that <laughs> um, but i but i 
I love the idea of that. Um, yeah. You know, of that fire, that fire of joy being mm-hmm. reignited, you know, and saying yes to that. And so she said when she's talking about this, the saying yes to joy, saying yes to your happy place <laughs> on page 123, she said, this yes is about giving yourself permission to shift the focus of what is a priority from what's good for you over to what makes you feel good. Uh-huh. And I went, oh, hell no. <laughs> like, what? So why is that a problem for you? Oh, because Kelly turned out to 11. Like, man, <laughs> desire of what makes you feel good. Like, this breaks every rule there is. You can't just right. go around saying yes to what makes you feel good all day. Lord. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I think you have this sense of yourself. Like, I think you have this sense of yourself where if you allow yourself to have what you want, you know, because desire is a real hot button for yeah. you. You know, if you allow yourself to have what you want, I think that you, and correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, this is just my perception after getting to know you this year, you know, <laughs> is that I think that you think that what you want is inherently destructive and that if you allow it, it will tear everything down. I think that's part of it. And and part of it is sometimes I want things I cannot have. And so yeah. what is what is the use in wanting? You know, what is right, the... Like, right. So you shut yourself down to what you want. Right. So longing all because, day won't yeah. do any good when you can't have what you want. And then when you do. But what about the things you can have? I mean, <laughs> if you just give over to what makes you feel good all the time, I'm like, I would spend the entire day probably drinking wine and reading poetry and maybe like doing that in the, like the arms of questionable company. I don't think that that's <laughs> necessarily saying yes to joy. But if I hear this little voice saying, want to play, I'm like, did you bring whiskey and poetry, honey? Because if you did, come on in. And I don't well, okay. know that that's necessarily is that, a good thing. Is that necessarily <laughs> such a bad thing? Like, And she's talking about, like, she doesn't spend all day, every day playing with her kids. Yes. She spends 15 minutes, right. you know? And I mean... What's wrong with you having like an evening, you know, or a weekend, a whole day, a whole lost weekend with whiskey and poetry? Like what, what's the worst that would happen? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. So I guess maybe that's it is the idea of, of the, the limited amount of time. I think you're afraid of excess. Yeah, I think so. I think you're afraid that given a little bit of what you want, you'll take it too far. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the idea of, 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 of being overwhelmed, right? Just kind of like on yeah. the emotional side, too. But when I read that quote, that was the first thing that came to my mind. And I was like, <laughs> danger, Will Robinson. No, no, no. <laughs> like, no. But I don't think you need to be that afraid of what you want. But, but I think the real part of this is, she said on, on page 125, saying yes yeah. required me to change. So like she had this, she had this integration, right? Mm -hmm. Between this uh, saying yes to play, like integrating that part of herself that found happiness in the work and that part of herself that found happiness in play. And she had that moment of clarity. And I think, yeah, I still don't know what that yes is. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of where I left this 
chapter, I'm like, okay, so I totally sort of now know what an integration feels like. Dear God, let's not do it that way again. Right. So, <laughs> That's an explosive yeah, one. Yeah, let's not do it that way There again. could be gentler yeah, ones. There's, there's got to be a slow and steady way to integrate. Yeah. But Jeez. if you're integrating into joy, right, mm-hmm. and you're saying yes to, to joy or you're saying yes to this idea of, of a happy place, which still makes me laugh mm-hmm. every time I say it, but you don't know what that thing is. How do you find, like, how do you say yes to something you can't see? And that's where, yeah. that's where I ended the chapter. Okay. All right. Well, I think that's kind of interesting. And this sort of leads us into, like, I had this idea, mm-hmm. right? Yep. That what we should do, because every week with the homework, we always go, like, what is my yes? I don't know what my yes yeah. is, <laughs> you know? And I think that, like, while I'm listening to you talk, I want to think about what your yes is and assign it. And then while you're listening to me talk, you can figure out my yes and assign it. And we will assign each other the homework for the week. What do you think? Well, you know, assigning homework lights me up in all the good places. <laughs> I know it does. And we're not good at assigning ourselves homework. So I have homework for you. Oh, hot damn. Okay. Oh, yeah. This is the homework. Okay. It's 15 minutes of joy every day. Oh, Lord. You have to choose something that gives you joy and dedicate 15 minutes, like phone off, nothing else, one thing. If it's a bubble bath, if it's reading poetry, if it like whatever it is, like I want you to find one thing every day that gives you joy and give it 15 minutes. I can do that. All right? Yes. Okay. Okay. I can do that. (laughs) <laughs> All right. So do you have homework for me? I do have What's homework my yes? for you. Okay. And <laughs> and you might hate me a little for this. That's all right. <laughs> um, that, so this is actually a writing assignment that I have given um, students before. And, mm-hmm. and I believe in it a lot, but there's usually a lot of resistance when I first assign it. Great. I know. <laughs> and so this is part of like learning to see yourself through a broken lens. Okay. Um, and you, you're struggling so much with this vision of yourself as a mom. And I happen to have a whole lot of faith in the daughters that you've raised because I think that they're rather fantastic. No, they are. And so what I would love you to do for your homework is to interview each of them and to ask oh, them what is their favorite part of having you as their mom. Oh, my God. And to listen without qualification. And just let them tell you short, it can be short, (laughs) but then put that together and don't, don't sully it. Don't minimize it and don't take it to pieces. Just let them tell you and report back. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I gave you 15 minutes of joy and you give me this fucking thing. You bitch. (laughs) This is not nice. God, do I have to seriously be like, what's your favorite part about me? Like, that, not your oh favorite God. part about me. Your favorite part of having me is your mom. Oh God. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I think I think it. it might surprise you. Please, yes. Let's sit and talk about me. I would sell the soul of several people I don't like to have you as a mom. Oh God. <laughs> oh God. All right. All right. I'll do it. Okay. Yay! I'll do it. I'll do <laughs> Super it. fun. Everything's about me enough. <laughs> Honey, 
this is like we're gonna make it about you in a in a positive way just to try something different in, okay. in a loving positive way Ugh. Ugh. all right no because you know what here's it here it Ugh. is <laughs> this feels like the kind of thing that my mother would like tell me what's wonderful about me. What do you love about yeah. me? Like it just it has that gross feeling to me. I know, but, the, but I'll do the it. The difference is you couldn't be a narcissist if you fucking tried. So, it's okay. <laughs> if you committed every ounce of energy you had to try to be a narcissist for an hour, you couldn't pull it off. So, oh, you're good. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Yay for homework. <laughs> All right. No, it, it should be fun. All right. You ready to take us out of this thing? I am ready. Okay. We are most active on Twitter. So follow hashtag Big Strong Yes for announcements and discussion. You can follow Lonnie at Lonnie Diane Rich and me at Dr. Kelly Jones. You can also email us at BSY at chipperish.com. Yes, and if you like Big Strong Yes, here's how you can support the show. Review us on Apple Podcasts, tweet at us with the hashtag Big Strong Yes, and support Chipperish at patreon.com slash chipperish, which also gets you into the Discord chat, which is an amazing place to talk about the stories you love. And the uh, Big Strong Yes um, channel in Discord has been lit up. Yes. People are talking about all the things that they're doing and they're sharing their stories. It is one of the most special like supportive places it's amazing. It amazing i love it there it is amazing i think it's just incredible yeah. all right every week we close with a quote this week it is my turn <laughs> and i went to joseph campbell my oldest daughter has been reading a lot of joseph campbell she's really getting into all of that she's very into folklore and she has just discovered him mm -hmm. so it is this wonderful thing for her and it made me think very fondly of him so i found this from joseph campbell we must be willing to let go of the life we've planned so as to have the life that is waiting for us. Big Strong Yes is a Chipperish Media production and is entirely funded by listeners like you. To find out how you can support Big Strong Yes and everything Chipperish Media does, visit patreon.com slash chipperish. Thanks, y'all.